Praise God. Special greetings to Nancy Bryan watching by the internet. God bless you, sister. Amen. She has been through the fire. She's had some physical challenges, but she is home and recovering. Great that you can tune in here today. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles uh, and you'll get them out and open up to the book of Zechariah, chapter 6. We're going to pick up on a theme that we've been following from the Holy Spirit, I believe, convinced of that, concerning the throne of God, our calling to be around the throne of God, to have God at the center, and from that place, God's government is increasing more and more and more. We said it on Christmas Eve and a couple other times, I think, but unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, and so on. Then it goes on to say, and of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. You know, God's government is increasing. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. There, There shall be no end to the increase. You know, the galaxies, they say, when he spoke, worlds, plural, were formed. And scientists tell us today that they are still expanding, (laughs) increasing. God is not on the retreat mode or in the drawback mode. God is increasing more and more and more. There are more that are for us than they that are against us. And we were considering not too long ago the cloud of witnesses. And I had this interesting thought. It hit me. I have to search it out and dig it out a little more because my spirit just started leaping when the thought came to me. But you know, those who die in the Lord immediately go from this world into the presence of God. To be absent from the body, Paul says, is to be present with the Lord. Right? So Hebrews tells us there is this great cloud of witnesses that are peering in on us, cheering us on. They are like spectators. And the concept there, Paul's using the imagery as a Roman Colosseum where a sporting event would take place. But this cloud of witnesses are those who've died in the Lord that are cheering us on as we're running our race. And so the idea, that thought that hit me was this, is that when those who don't know the Lord die, they basically go into a time of holding, awaiting eternal judgment. Okay, you can read a little bit about this. Luke 16, Jesus talking about Lazarus and the rich man and the place of the dead and so on. Get the manual, foundations manual on eternal judgment if you're interested. All right. So there, those who die who don't know the Lord are in a place of holding, awaiting eternal judgment. But those who die in the Lord are actually still participating in ministry. They are an active cloud of witnesses. Now think about that. From the time of the resurrection till now, all who died in the Lord prior to that, who had faith like Abraham, Abraham's bosom, and so on, were included in that number, have joined. There's this ever-increasing audience on our behalf. Whereas, you know, so we think, we think, well, there's this contest, you know, 
the righteous and the wicked, and they're both are growing in the world at the same proportion. I'm here to say that there are more for us, and it's ever increasing more and more as people are passing on the Lord. The crowd is getting bigger and bigger, and the noise. You know, when you're playing in your own stadium, Jesus. come on, football fans. When you're on your home turf and the crowd is big and the crowd is loud, go team go. We are living in a time at the end of the age where God is pulling back the veil and is going to have a triumphant church who is going to finish out in such glory and such grace and such authority because there are more the increase of His government. We said that the picture of that, a beautiful picture of the increase of God and the increase of God's government is in fact the throne of God with the 24 seats, smaller thrones around the main throne. God in the center, and then Revelation chapter 4, those 24 seats. And we've talked a lot about it. You can get recordings up on the internet and so on. But that's a picture of what's going on in heaven and a reflection of what will happen and is happening in the earth today so the increase of God's government includes us we are the extension or we're the vehicles through whom God's government is increasing in the earth today amen so here we are positioned for a great end time harvest a great end time harvest I say position because it's God's heart that we be in our place there was a throne and one seated on the throne. There's a place and God took his place. He's on his throne. And then there were 24 thrones and there were those seated on those thrones. So there's a place for us and there were people sitting in their place. And the message I'm hearing over and over again is God is saying it's time for the church to take its place. Amen. And its place is an absolute direct relationship to his place. His place is at the center the center of everything we do, the center of everything we are. He needs to be the focal point, not us, not our ministries, not our stuff. God at the center, us around God. And it's okay that we're all seeing things a little differently, but it's the same God. It's okay, you know, we don't have to see exactly the same to be in fellowship and in communion and to be effective. But we need to be around the same powerful, beautiful God. And from that place... God's government is increasing. And so what we said last weekend, several of you were missing and moving around and traveling and so on, but in uh, simple, God seated on his throne is a priest on his throne. And that's what we're going to start off with this morning because those seated around the throne are also priests. And we're heading into a season of fasting and prayer. And every weekend as we assemble, we're going to take communion together, which is why we're doing that at the end of this meeting today. Because I just want to remind us of our priestly function as an extension of his priesthood. Amen? And his government. So, Father, thank you today for your words. They are life and spirit. They come because you sent them. And I want to thank you that where you've sent your word, there is healing and deliverance, prosperity, abundance. It all comes because of your living word. Thank you today for falling on good soil. 
in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Zechariah chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. It's a, it's a messianic prophecy. Prophet Zechariah mentioning the coming at that time when he was prophesying. He was mentioning the coming Messiah, and he uses the term the branch as a term describing him. Let me just read it to you because it leads us into him this branch, the Messiah, being on his throne. All right? Zechariah 6, 12, and 13. It says, And speak to him, saying, So says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall spring up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the majesty. Now, now hear this and shall sit and rule on his throne, and he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between the two of them. Now, just to bring a little clarity here, so we're getting a picture. Uh, this was a, you know, Zechariah was looking into the future for the time that Christ would come, and he begins to describe his ministry, and he's saying he's going to build the temple of God. So Jesus says it this way, on this rock I will build my church. The temple, we are the temple of the living God, the church, the people of God. He says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Zechariah sees him as both the builder and the one who will rule. There's the kingly anointing. He will rule as a king from his throne and he will be a priest while a being a king. He will be a king and a priest on his throne. That's what Zechariah is telling us. And then it says the council of peace shall be between the two of them, meaning that between this office of king and this office of priest, they won't, there won't be a segregation. They will be in harmony, functioning in a supportive manner, one of the other. King and priest. Now that's really important because John tells us that as he is, so are we in this world. That's what the Apostle John tells us. As he is, the Lord, so are we in this world. And Peter picks up on this, and I know this is, you know, the other day I was spreading some ryegrass seed. Each year it's kind of a custom I do lately. Just makes my yard green, you know, and I don't really have a green yard in the summer, so I figured I'd get one in the in the winter and I put some ryegrass seed out there and invariably every time I put the seed out there uh, it starts sprouting up and I find places I missed I've got a pretty big yard and it's wooded in places and I find places I missed so I get another bag of seed and I go around and I throw seed by hand where I've missed it and every time I do that I can't I, you know it's just I hear the parable of the sower and the seed you know <laughs> I mean, there I am, you know, some on good soil, some on bad soil, sowing seed. And as I was doing it the other day, I was just out there throwing seed. And it was like, I just felt this connection, like, you know, gosh, sometimes I feel like I'm so redundant in my preaching. And the Lord said, no, 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 you're just filling in the spots where it didn't take. So if I'm getting, getting kind of close to you, and maybe you feel a little, maybe you're going to get double seeded. Rejoice and give thanks for double C. You'll be really bright green, that's right, in the new year. 
and the geese are going to love you. I'm just telling you, <laughs> they're going to just pull on you like never before. Yeah. So, here's some seed. So, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter says this, But you, who's he talking to? The reader, the believer, the church. But you are a chosen generation. You, chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Now notice the connection. Royal priesthood. The 24 elders seated around the throne in Revelation chapter 4 are wearing crowns. 24 of them is the number of the priesthood. There were 24 courses of priests. That said, as he is, how is he on his throne? Come on, we just read it in Zechariah. He will rule as a king and it was real plain and emphatic and he shall be a priest upon his throne so here we've got him at the center then we've got 24 seats a picture of our ministry a royal priesthood called up to be with him the increase of his government now represented in these lives that are around his throne he's a king and a priest here we're told that we're a royal priesthood of believers. So put it this way, what he's doing on his throne is what he expects us to be doing here on earth. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Come on with me, church, today. Just as it is in heaven. You want to know how it is in heaven? He's seated on his throne. You know how he wants it here? He wants to be seated on His throne. He wants a people who are around Him, who are functioning with the same zeal that's in His heart for creation, for the lost, for the hurting, and so on. So Peter goes on to say, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy or set-apart nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises here's part of our ministry mandate to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light you know you have a ministry calling to show forth something and we talked about how's it flowing right the showing forth of god you can't take this stuff and keep it for yourself and be considered effective and successful in your calling. There's got to be a shining forth, a showing forth, a giving forth of what God has put in. So here's the royal priesthood, holy nation, you know, set apart for God to show forth his praises, who he has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then it says these important words, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy mercy so we're a people who you know weren't picked up because we were so good god didn't recruit us because we had so much credentials to our account or something god picked us up because we were desperate and needy and poor and he was merciful and extended his hand to us and we said amen and we let him in and that's our credential and our qualification and what makes us who we are. It's the graces and the mercies of God, not all of our, our spirituality. And uh, so we've obtained mercy, and there's got to catch this now. 
We've obtained mercy so that we can show mercy. Come on, we're supposed to shine forth some things. We've obtained it not only for our own benefits, but to give it to others in need. We're now qualified. We've been equipped, if you will, with this priestly ministry. So, I won't take time to go over. I'm very tempted, but I'm not going to some of last week's things about the obtaining of mercy and the such. But I do want to just focus us here today. So we've got this king seated on his throne who is both king and priest. We've got him now calling us, this people who are both kings and priests. We're a royal priesthood. And actually in other places in Revelation it says that he has made us both kings and and priest. It's not a kind of a vague concept. It's very solid in the scripture. You and I, get used to this, are kings and priests as far as God is concerned. So that means we're supposed to both rule. A king rules, right? As an extension of his rule. It's not our own kingdom. It's his kingdom. And we're extending that government and that kingdom. And we're supposed to function as a priest. So there's two basic simple areas. King and priest. As we move into this fast and this time of prayer, I want to just try to get us locking our brooms together, okay? Because there's some things God wants us as kings to do together. And what kings do is they declare decrees. There's an authority given to the believer where we actually have the privilege. Psalms 2, and at some point I'll talk about this, God willing, uh, mentions this phrase, declare the decree. So a king, the king, the king of kings, the Lord Jesus, gives a decree, and our job is to declare what he has decreed. So he says it's this way, our job is to now voice what he says. Right? We're, come on, we're the increase of his government. We're the extension of his government. He, he put us here to, to advance the kingdom. Advance the kingdom. And that means there's a ministry we have to decree. And by the way, God says, you're seated with Christ. So we're not administrating this kingdom from under our circumstances. You know? Under things. We're administrating in God's mind from above. We're called to rule and to reign with Christ. Right? Now I know that's a future... Pro you know, a thousand year reign. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just saying for those, that scripture is in a reference to the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. They will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Well, I'm telling you, you can rule and reign with him now in Christ because we are now seated with him in heavenly places and we have this kingly and priestly anointing by virtue of our relationship to the one on the throne at the center. So, kings and priests so as kings we're going to declare some things together what are we going to declare we're going to declare his decrees we don't have to come up with our own decrees isn't that good news come on there's things that god has already said and things that he is speaking right now to a people who are close enough to hear what he's saying that's part of, for me, what fasting and prayer is about. I shared this one time, but I'll give it again. 
I had this, for lack of a better term, a bit of a vision some time back. And in this vision, I saw myself in a room full of believers. And in the room was Jesus himself. He was all the way at the other end of the room. And it felt so good to be in this room. I, like I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Presence of God was there. I was safe. I was loved. Everything was great. And every now and then he'd look over at me. He was talking to a bunch of people. And I was over on the side. And every now and then he'd look over at me and he'd smile. He'd just smile at me. And in the smile, I felt just loved. I mean, like, wow, what a smile. It's like he just so approved of me. He was just so just happy about me being in the room and I being there. And so I would smile back at him. I was like, wow, I'm in the room and Jesus is in the room. And then after, as time moved on a little bit, I realized, or I got curious, what's he saying? Because he was talking to some people. And then I had this revelation. There's a difference between being in the room and being close enough to, what, to him to hear what he's saying. So I was safe, going to heaven, forgiven of my sins, no condemnation, no shame, blessed, but not fulfilled in a certain area because I couldn't hear what he was saying. And it's like I, had, I realized I had this choice in the context of my Christianity, the room. I had a choice to get closer to him within my Christianity. Within all the noises and the fellowship and all the joy and the peace and the greatness. It's like, God, I want to know what you're saying. It's a beautiful parallel to John the Beloved leaning on Jesus' chest as they're having the Passover meal because Peter couldn't hear what he needed to hear and he said, ask him. And because John was so close, John could hear. And so to me, fasting and praying is about a season for, you know, God, I know you love me. No condemnation if I eat a potato chip along the way. Listen, don't get into all that stuff, okay? <laughs> People so miss the focus here. But I just want to be nearer than I've been in all of my busyness. And I'm going to intentionally look at my life, my Christian life, all the things in my Christian life that somehow create a little bit at times of a distance. Good things, but a little bit of a distance between me and hearing that intimate, personal voice. And uh, that's, that's for me what I'm planning to do. You can do something different if you want, but there's nothing greater for me than to hear Him speak to me. And then from that place, I'm often so empowered to declare His decrees. His decrees, his desires. It's like David's mighty men that heard him just happened to be close enough. Three of them out of 30 were close enough to hear him say, oh, I would love a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. And because they heard him, he didn't just say, hey, somebody go get me some water. They just heard the musings of his heart. And they took that as their assignment. And they said, come on, guys. Let's go get that thing which is on the Lord's heart for him, our king. So kings, royalty, good word for the Berean school there. I don't know. I'm just, you just, I, I love this congregation so much because you just let me float all over the place. <laughs> it's awesome. 
You know, the Bereans were more noble than they of Thessalonica. That's where the word Berean comes from. Acts, somebody help me. Acts 17. Huh? Maybe? Yeah? Somewhere in there. It's in the book of Acts. I think it's 17. Yeah, Acts 17. The Bereans were more noble. It means of royal descent. The Bereans were more noble than they of Thessalonica because they received the word with an open or ready mind and they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. A royal priesthood. So we've got two main focal points and I'm trying to get back on them. We're kings that are going to declare some things and we're priests who are going to stand in the gap between the living and the dead. Priest. Let me just describe very briefly to you. Say, declare some things. Declare to who? What do we declare and to whom do we declare it? Well, I think there's both a spiritual and a natural element, but it begins spiritually speaking. Ephesians 3 and 10, just catch these verses, get them down. If the seed falls twice on your head, let it grow. Amen. Ephesians 3 and 10. Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus. I'm kind of picking up midstream, but you'll catch the point here. That's, that's the thing that matters. And he says, To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places. So we're talking about the spiritual world which is affecting and infecting society throughout the world. Wish I had time today to talk about it in detail, but there is an absolute spiritual realm that affects what people feel, see, and, and, and shapes or affects the way they respond. It's a climate, it's a culture. It gets cold out, you put your sweater on. Why? Because the temperature changed and the atmosphere changed, and you respond according to the atmosphere, right? That same principle plays out spiritually. And there are demonic forces that are changing atmospheres in the world today. And people are responding. So God's plan is that we, come on, the church would change the atmosphere so that people can make choices for life. Amen. So we're going to declare the decrees. We're supposed to, come on, show forth His praises. That means we've got to affect something. We've got to engage something. We can't be a passive church. Passive is boring. You know, when I started writing for the news leader, I had this really neat guy, this friend, who talked to me. Thank God he did about passive sentence structures. Passive sentence structures. And he gave me a cool way of setting my computer up to to judge how many passive sentence structures I was writing with, whether I was writing with an active voice or a passive voice. And the simple difference for those of you who forgot, like me, <laughs> is that basically the, the active voice, the subject, is performing the action. Whereas in a passive voice, the subject of the sentence is receiving the action. Well, let me tell you, God's done with a passive voice church. Oh, come on, listen to me. Always on the receiving, receiving, receiving end. 
God is looking for the, the subject matter, which at this time God's saying, church, come on, step into your place to be active. And I tell you, I'd, I'd write articles and all, you know, and he gave me a, a, a percentage. He said, anything 5% passive sentence structure and below is okay. Anything above 5% passive sentence structure and the, check this out, it's boring. You'll lose people. Passive writing is, is boring. It, it, it's just dull and kind of textbooky and it's just, it's boring. Write, and I'm going to say to you today, live in an active voice. Took me a long time. I would write, and I'd get to the end of the thing, and I'd run it through the little filter, and it'd shoot up all the stats. 13 passive sentence, percent passive. And golly. So then I had to go back, and I had to start finding passive sentences. Is this one passive? Is that one passive? And what it, what it means to write and what it means to live actively. Critical lesson. A lot of repetition to figure it out. Holy Ghost is willing to help us live active lives. The world is bored with the church's rhetoric. It's bored. It's gone... <laughs> Would somebody live actively? Give me something worth reading. Give me something that'll interest me. Give me something that will change my life. So here we have Paul writing, and he's saying to the church, here's an active role you're supposed to be playing church to the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Or we could say it this way, the multifaceted wisdom of God. The manifold. It's so beautiful, so diverse, so customized to fit all of life's problems. You know, the world has multifaceted problems. Guess what? God's got a multifaceted answer that'll come and solve difficult, terrible. I tell you, I've, I've seen some of the most confusing, hard to figure out situations of late. And I'm thinking, God, I thank God that you're the multifaceted God and you've got a remedy for all of these things in Christ. And so here's the job as the church, we're supposed to show to principalities and powers by the church the manifold wisdom of God. How does that happen? I go back to the kingly role of the believer to declare his decrees. To declare his decrees. What has God said about that situation you're facing? Because that's what you're supposed to be decreeing and declaring over that situation. What has God said about it? Well, I don't know, but here's what my doctor said. Well, I don't know, but here's what, you know, this person said. Oh, here's what that person said. Well, what has God said? What has God said about that thing? This is, do you see your calling? Declare His decrees. Extend His kingdom. You're not a trespasser here. 
You have been empowered and commissioned by God Himself. We'll get into it, God willing, at some point. Esther, when they tried to kill all of the Jews, Haman issued an evil decree. And it could not be reversed. Because whatever the king says can never be reversed. That's what the scripture says about it. And so guess what they did? Oh my gosh, there's this evil decree. It's going to wipe out all the Jews. What are we going to do? Write another decree. Write a better decree. Write a decree that empowers God's people. Write a decree that lets us defend ourselves. You can read it in the book of Esther. So we're operating on a whole different decree, a higher decree, a better decree. And it's our privilege to declare that decree. You know, the Bible says that even the legal captive shall be delivered. Even those who have given themselves over to bondage and sin and all kinds of abusive things. God says there's a decree above that decree. Don't let that decree define the destiny, yours or theirs. Get a hold of God's decree. And then as kings, come on, together we're going to do this. If any two of you should agree as touching anything, that's a deliberate God-given mandate. If you'll agree, it's not just an invitation. I believe it's a mandate from God. Come on, if my church will agree together as touching things, it will be done for them. We're living in an hour where we've got to choose if we're going to be the church or just play church. And whose definition of church are we working with? The Scripture says, to the intent that now unto principalities and powers and rulers in heavenly places should be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You're, doing, you're helping me, honey. It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. I tell you, the Holy Ghost is going to challenge all of us. It's going to remind us when we start declaring lesser decrees over our own selves and over people. What about, the st- what about your own self-hatred issues? What about the stuff where you keep going, well, I, you know, I, yeah, I, just, I screwed it up again. I just, you know, I just never going to amount to much of anything. Just. What does God say about you? Is that what God said about you? Well, you can, and you can, even the legal captive, you can go back and justify why you're such a stupid person. I go back, I, I tell you, I, I can prove to you I'm stupid. Watch this. And I can give you a whole list of stupid stuff I've done. Amen. Don't say that so loud. You can talk for yourself. That's good, you know. Gee, that hurt, but I'm over it. I'm moving on. <laughs> There's so much in an amen. You know, you just got to, yeah. You got your own list. I know you do. Amen. <laughs> but you know, we can't, can't we? Can't, yeah, I know. Can't, can't we? It's so easy just to sit back and, and, and have all the facts around why we're so broken and dysfunctional. And let that word, the legal captive, I'm here because I, you know, be the final say. And God's saying, listen, I've got something better than that over you. 
even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart, according to the Apostle John. Break out of that stuff. Shake it off. Why? Because you're a king and you're a priest. You're a king and you're a priest. And you're not alone. You're a priesthood of believers. Priesthood. We're, we're going we're gonna to win together. We're going to work together. We're going to declare together the decrees of God. And I'm telling you together. Come on, I... I've told the broom story so many times I'm not going to do it so don't worry chill out it's okay but I'm telling you we got to get our brooms together because by ourselves we got all this stuff you know running around the edges but God's saying put your brooms together push together you amen get a bigger broom and get more relationships connected with each other fellowship's great but if the end of fellowship isn't ministry pushing we've missed something important I want to be close to you because you're worth being close to. God wants to be close to us because he loves us and all that stuff. But there's a power and a calling when we're close that it's a sin to not use for the kingdom. It's just a sin. It's self-absorption. It's just me feeling good. It's, it's, not, it's not advancing the real overarching theme of God right now. Together. These few men turned the known world upside down. Well, pastor, if we had a bigger church, we could really be influential. You know, it's not about being a bigger church right now. It's about being an effective church. It's about being an active voice church. It's about being an engaged church. It's about taking your talents and your gifts and it's about taking your your spot in your seat around the throne and saying, God, here I am. Bless God, I'm going to adjust some things to make sure that I'm in my spot so that I can be effective. And not only am I going to be satisfied, but you're going to be glorified. And, and I believe there are breakthroughs just over the horizon for such a people. You know, God has reserved certain things. There have I commanded a blessing. Where is there? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it goes right into a description of the priesthood. Are you listening? Like the ointment poured over Aaron that ran down, come on, it's talking about a priesthood of believers. In unity, brethren pushing, flowing together. And he says, in that place, I, God, have commanded a blessing. Well, where's the blessing of God? Well, where's the communion of the believers? You know, in a moment, we're going to take communion. And it's a lot more than just a piece of juice and a matzah. There's a power for those who approach the table in sincerity and in faith. Amen. I don't know. I'm charged up. I'm, I, I don't want to go into this year with the same old, same old. I don't want to go into this year just doing the same. You know, we're just waiting until Jesus comes. He that endures to the end, pastor. You know, that's what it says. They're going to be saved. Well, you're in the wrong church, honey. 
Yeah, we're going to endure to the end. Praise God for endurance. endurance. There's a lot to be said for endurance. But endurance is simply the thing you do between aggressive assaults. <laughs> Come on. It's what you do between aggressive assaults. The church is on the offensive. That's Jesus' definition, not the world's. The church is on the offensive. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church, which means the church is busting gates down, kicking doors in, and going after some stuff. Amen. Christy Lockwood sent me a little thing on Facebook. I chuckled. I almost felt like I should buy one. It's a t-shirt. I can't remember the exact words, though. It says something like, uh, devil busting ninja something whatever uh, something. And it said, um, pastor. And then it said this. And it said, because there's no, there's no word for devil busting ninja you know, I forget what, you have to read it. It's Christy forwarded it to the congregation because I'm just making a mess out of it. But I, I chuckled. Like I thought, you know, that's awesome. Amen, Lord. So let that be my testimony as a pastor. But God, if it stops with me, I've missed it. Yes. Let this be a congregation yes. <laughs> of people that are just, they know who they are. They're in their file and rank, marching in step as an army. And they're pushing the kingdom to the enemy's gate busting in the doors, kicking down the strongholds, not passive, active, who once again capture the attention of a lost world. The world is bored with our Christianity. While ISIS captures the attention, it's such a, it's such a backwards picture. <laughs> We're going to believe God together to write that picture. Amen. To write that picture. So, I'm a little bit, just a little bit off my notes. But we're in them, just the same. So I told you there's two categories. I'm working hard on getting to the second one. Here it is. There's kings. He's a king on his throne, and he's a priest. We're kings and priests. So we talked a little bit about decreeing the decrees of God, declaring His decrees. The priest, that function, that's a unique function. That's why it says that there'll be peace. The council of peace will be, t be between these. These are not at odds with each other. You know, sometimes we think of, of, of priest and more of a, 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 a maybe a, a mediatory, a softer, you know, kings are kind of aggressive ruling and priests are more maybe in a passive a bit of a posture but really the priest element there's not a contest between these two these two are actually supposed to be flowing in harmony because they're both needed the decree is going to break loose some th things and the priests are going to be able to ensure that people who get free can transition into the blessings of the Lord the priesthood of the believers let me just give you the concept at least for me here's how I would uh, choose to describe the priesthood. You remember the story in Numbers chapter 16. <clears throat> so, you know, Israel's been in the wilderness wanderings. Tabernacles built. God has set in a, a priesthood. There's the Levites and the priests. The Levites are kind of the, 
ministers to the people on the outside and with the tent and such, and the priest are those who, in this initial model, would uh, minister to the holy things before the Lord on behalf of the people. And so, among the Levites, that, that support base, if you will, there's a murmuring that arises, and they start saying, because they all realize that they're all holy, and uh, Korah and some others rise up and say, you know what, well, we, we can do what you do. You know, we're, we're just co-equals with you, and we can do what you do. And, um, but the, the problem with this was a spirit moving in these guys, okay? This was an ambition that was moving. It wasn't a holy thing. It was an ambition for p- power and position and so on. So they were trying to take what only God could give, and that's the message behind it. And so as they do, God says, all right, y'all, Everybody get their incense and we'll find out who's legit and who's not. You think you're priest? Then to get priest incense like Aaron does, his sons, and we'll come. And so what happens is they start coming, but if you weren't ordained to do this, you would die, and that was what was getting ready to happen. And so here come these illegitimate guys trying to be something that God had not given to them, and God says, everybody get away from them. That's not a good thing when God says, everybody back up. He's like, stay clear, because something's about to happen. You can read the account there. The earth opened up. This was in Florida, sinkhole. Okay? <laughs> earth opened up. That was a joke. That didn't really happen in Florida. Okay? <laughs> Got to be clear. Earth opened up, swallowed the guy, his whole house, all of his possessions. Boom. And everybody out started running. Now, I got to thinking about that. If the earth is eating people, where are you going to go? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Every step is a possible hole, you know? Did you read? There was a, I forget where I read this. I'm just digressing for a moment. In Florida, there was a sinkhole. A guy was in his bedroom. And his, just the bedroom disappeared. In his bed. Boom gone and could never find him. Wow. That's what was he doing? I don't know, hon, but <laughs> but I bet everybody around him was asking that question. What was that about? Wow. So back to the message. Happens today is the point earth swallows them up and everybody knows those guys were wrong shouldn't have been doing that the way they were doing that that they missed God don't do that but moments later such a picture of the human heart Israel starts to murmur and complain and God says oh and all of a sudden this plague breaks out and the plague is getting ready to consume thousands of people And Moses, who easily could have said, they're getting what they deserve. He says to Aaron, Aaron, quick. You're the priest. Here's what priests do. I'm adding these words, but this is the idea. You're the priest, Aaron, and here's what priests do. Go get a coal from the altar. Take some incense. And by the way, those coals would come from the sacrifice altar outside, brought in to the fiery incense before the the ark and so on in the holy place. 
take and go and stand between the living and the dead. Let me just read it to you. It's real short here. Numbers chapter 16. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer, put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. To me, this is first and foremost a picture of Christ who came as priest and stood between the dead and the living so that the plague of sin, which was killing and destroying, could be stopped. But it's also an extension and a picture of us as a priesthood of believers who are now called to stand between the living and the dead. Now, I don't know how this hits you, but when I look around today, I see a lot of people that are dead. And I see others that are in jeopardy of dying. And I believe that if we don't stand in our place as priests before the Lord, taking that which is not of us, we can't boast, like it's not like we're holy and we can save anybody, but there is a, a function where we're supposed to stand in the gap between those that are living and those that are dead to stop the scourge and the plague that's destroying our families, our nation, and the world. That's part of the role and the job of the church as priests. We're kings, we declare decrees, and we're priests who stand before God on behalf of people. Now all of that said, a lot more we could go there, but we're not for today. The communion table is to me a beautiful picture of where these two worlds come together. King and priest come together at the communion table. At the communion table, there's power to show forth His praise and to declare His decrees. At the communion table, there's power to lift that precious atoning work on behalf of others. I'm just going to give you two verses to validate that, and then we're going to take communion together. But I want you to catch this so that when you're approaching the communion table... Now listen, <laughs> you know... we should know and understand first I need this for me I need communion you know I, I need to be refreshed and revived I need to be reminded and all of that stuff okay but if it's just about you we're going to miss the priestly opportunity that we have here on behalf of other people and that's what I'm hoping that you'll catch so when we come forward today to receive communion um, you got to catch the big picture what can go on here for us? And in the past, we've uh, exercised a certain thing, and I'm going to introduce that again here today. So here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Amen? Okay. Paul, the apostle, speaks about the communion table. He says, And when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he break it, talking about the bread, and said, Take, eat. 
this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me so when we take communion you know it's uh, we're told here that we're supposed to actually bring to mind don't let your mind just go off and all he's saying do this when you do this call to mind me all that I am all that I've done for you remember do this in remembrance of me and after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and then here it is this is the thing I want us to see here today for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till he come now many of you already get this and understand it and some not but here it is again more grass seed for you today okay got to make sure we're able to push together as often as you do this you're showing the Lord's death showing his death to who well we read it in Ephesians to principalities and power there's nothing more powerful to show them than the work of the cross that was provided for us all okay so as often as you're doing this you're showing my death right first peter 2 9 that you should show forth the praises of him how am i going to do that well communion is a powerful place to say you know all that condemning junk floating around my life i just want to put you in remembrance now i'm in remembrance of christ but i want to put you in remembrance i'm blood-bought and the blood says you got to pass over my house and the blood says, and you know, the blood is speaking today. The blood is speaking today, and it's speaking better things than that of Abel's blood would cried out from the ground. The blood of Christ is declaring things today. So as the church, come on, priests and kings, here we've got these two things coming together at the communion table. As often as you eat and drink, you are showing my death. To who? principalities powers trespassers usurpers things squatters that come to squat on our inheritance you know the devil's trying to rip you off every day he comes to steal to kill and to destroy and Jesus said but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, or we could say, of the increase, there shall be no end. I've come, I'm looking for a people who will come with me to ensure the blessings on people. So as often as you take, you're showing my death. So we need that in our mind. It's not just me, but I'm making a decree, a de declaration. I'm showing something. Important thing to be shown. And then this is an insight that that <clears throat> I'm at absolute peace with and I hope you find peace with it as well but I believe that we can actually take communion on behalf of others now if you fall out with that I, I don't fall out with you over that I'm just telling you I think it's an extension of the priestly function we have as the church and so 
I give you the invitation, okay, here in this house. When we take communion, come forward, take communion. You can go back to your seat. You know, we may do this a couple different ways as we go along. There may be times we'll declare and decree some things together as a church and take that way. But I also would like to invite you on behalf of another to come back up. Should we have enough elements? We usually we do. And, uh, and, and somebody that you're standing in the gap for, showing forth his death on their behalf. Now you say, where do you get that from in the scripture? I'm just going to give you one reference that, again, coupled with everything else I've just finished saying, I hope will at least give you enough faith to engage in such a practice. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. This is actually Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Passover, which is the picture of this table. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For, here's the reason I want you to drink all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. So in essence, he's talking to a small group of people and he's saying to them, I want you to drink all of this because it's for more than just you. Do you catch that? Do you see that? Drink all of this because it is shed for many. In essence, I think he's calling his disciples into a priestly ministry. And he's saying, basically, as you drink, be aware that this is for the redemption of the world. This is the only hope the world has to get fixed. And you happen to be standing in the world as a priest. And like Aaron of old, he carried the nation of Israel represented in stones on his breastplate every time he came into the presence. He wasn't going in just for himself, but he was going in on behalf of others. We're not coming to this table just on behalf of us. We're coming to this table on behalf of others. Now, you might not see that, and I'm okay with that. I love you just the same. But I'm telling you, in my life, I've watched God move as I've approached in faith, and I've watched devils tremble as I've reminded them of the cup of salvation, the cup of salvation, the cup of blessing which we bless. One last scripture just comes to mind. Let me pull it up real quick and we're going to take communion. Psalms 116. Uh, iPads are supposed to be fast, but this one is... I've got myself all messed up here. Give me just a second. Psalms 116. Am I too intense? No. I had somebody one time say, you're intense. And I was like, really? Oh, well, I had the Lord tell me this morning. He said, just be who you are. <laughs> well, intense people like intense people, and non-intense people don't really care for intense people. So at the end of the day, I'll end up with a congregation full of intense people. I mean, that's just kind of how that works. <laughs> don't want to be passive yeah gosh somebody want to help me here i'm finding it it's just taking me i 
hit the wrong button there as I was. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, it's okay. I've I got to give you the right verse, though. So, you know, this is okay. Psalms 116. <coughs> yeah, I think that's about where we're going. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, well, actually, I'd like to start <coughs> in verse 12. Here the psalmist says this. Psalms 116 and verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to render to the Lord. He says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. You see, what, what, what can I do for God because of all He's done for me? You know, when we come to the table, what we're really doing is we're going, wow, look what you've done for me. You died for my sins. You've washed me and cleansed me from all the guilt and shame of my, my stuff. That's awesome. What, what, can I, what can I render to you? What can I do for you? And then the psalmist finally gets it. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the cup of salvation. I'm not going to let it just sit there idly or I'm not going to approach the table without appreciation. I'm not going to just do it as a perfunctory religious thing. I, here's what I'm going to do to show God my gratitude. I will take the cup of salvation and I will call upon your name as if to say this cup grants me access to the throne room of grace. This cup grants me the privilege as a priest and a king. This cup, and I'm not going to let somebody else take my spot. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to be in my place. I will take the cup of salvation. So, are you ready? Yeah. So here's, here's, the, here's the qualifier as you come. The Bible says that when we eat and we drink from this table... We should be a born-again believer. That means you've accepted Jesus into your life. doesn't mean you're a perfect person. It means you've acknowledged you're not, and you need a Savior, and you've received Him as Savior into your life. And we're supposed to take this cup and this bread in a worthy manner. In a worthy manner. And some have tried to scare people and say that if you, you know... Um, if you're not worthy enough and you eat from this, then you know, you'll be sick, you can die. And it's true. Paul says, for this cause many are sick and some sleep because they, they don't take of this table in a worthy manner. That's why I'm stopping just to let us know what that, I believe, means. Okay? To be worthy. It means to really to be, to be clear. You know, Be clear in your heart. It doesn't mean you're perfect. There are people who go around saying, I can't go to the communion table because I'm just a mess. I struggle all day long. I've, you know, I'm battling bad thoughts. I've just had all this. I, I just, you know, and, 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 and devil tricks people from a very provision. The psalmist says, you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. This table is actually your only hope of getting free from your stuff. So if you deny the table because you're having issues, you're missing the point. 
What he wants us to do is be honest about our issues. Don't be hiding your sin. If you've got unforgiveness, if you've got issues with your spouse, a friend, whatever, get it right in your heart. Forgive. Ask for forgiveness. That's what he's saying. Because if you want forgiveness, but you're not willing to give forgiveness, then you're setting yourself up for some issues. So he's just saying, here it is. It's a wonderful table. It's for you. I know you're not worthy of it. Nobody is. So you're coming acknowledging that, but what you're saying is, God, I'm going to live in the truth of this table. I need forgiveness. Others need forgiveness. And I'm going to choose to walk in the light with you. And if I've got undone business with somebody, then I'm, I'm going to show you that I care about this the right way. I'm going to deal with that business. Is that simple enough? Yes, Amen? Please don't stay away from this table uh, for any other reason. Amen? Yeah, there's... I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we move along here, but this is just the launch pad. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, we start with the Berean School. The fast begins Sunday night and moves 21 days right to the end of the month. God, as God wills, every weekend we'll take communion together, and when we do, I want to be able to do that with some knowledge. Amen. That we're declaring His decrees and we're standing between the living and the dead on behalf of people, and uh, we're going to believe God for real successes and blessings to be poured out afresh over us in this new year. Amen. So this morning, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and invite you to come forward. You can take the elements back and I'd like you today, for yourself, just stop and remember Him. Okay? Just stop and remember Him. All that He's done for you and receive that blessing over your life. It's a new year. Maybe, maybe you need to let some things go from last year. Come on. I'm, I know I'm talking to the right crowd. Maybe there's some things that you just, you're carrying around, some offenses, some fears, some hurts, some pains. Great time right now, New Year. Let it go. Forgive as you've been forgiven, and so on. Receive the benefit of the Lord. And then, for those of you who so choose, I'm going to ask you to come forward on behalf of someone else. Grab another cup. Grab another piece of matzah. If for some reason there's not enough cups, just grab a piece of matzah. God gets it. Amen. Seize your heart. Seize your, your ministry. And, uh, and go sit back down on their behalf. And what you're doing in that moment, come on, you're showing his death <coughs> till he come. I will take the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Father, today over this person, I declare your decree. Your blood has purchased them. Your love is for them. There's no one too far for you to reach. Your hand is not short. Whatever. And you just begin to speak blessings on their behalf. Amen. Stand between the living and the dead that the plague has stayed. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the high calling as kings and priests. Thank you for, for the benefits of this table today that you've not called us into a ministry and given us the tools to get the job done. I thank you for this wonderful table. I thank you for the remembrance of your work and I thank you for the authority you've invested in us on behalf of others. God, I pray today 
you'd help knit us together as a congregation of priests before you and kings. Lord, that the earth would shake out of this small congregation. Lives would be changed. People would be saved and delivered and empowered by your Spirit. Lord, we head into this new year full of expectancy and thankfulness. And as we prepare to come to this table today, Lord, if there's any ought, any issue in our hearts, Lord, we resolve it today. We're going to get that stuff straight. If anybody we need to talk to, Jesus, somebody we need to humble ourselves to and just bow, Father, uh, in forgiveness, whatever it is, Lord, you know. I thank you for just helping us to walk clean into this new year. Thanks for forgiving us, Lord for all of our shortcomings as well. I ask you for these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. All right. Well, Christy, if you'll help me, hon. <clears throat> and as you're ready, you can come on up and take some elements and head back to your seat. Take. Thank you.
Father, thank you for receiving us and for sending us to this world in need. I just thank you today, Father, for this priesthood of believers. I thank you for helping us, Lord, to be effective, successful in our ministry before you on behalf of others. God, I thank you for your blessing that you've commanded over this place. As we're in our place, we can fully expect the wondrous benefits of your kingdom. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would just fill our hope, our hearts rather, with such hope and such expectation in this coming year. God, I thank you that nothing shall be impossible to us who believe and who believe because we've seen you in your glory. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a song on my heart. Jump to your feet. I don't know if I can remember the chords, but we're going to hum along. Amen? So let's just see if we can... Uh, oh, boy, I don't even have a strap here, but we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Hello. <laughs> I kept feeling as Rob was preaching that I should share this. Um, I, I was keeping my granddaughter the other day. I don't want to cry. I, I was babysitting my granddaughter. And um, I was sitting in my chair and she was standing right here beside me. And she started asking me questions, and I started answering her. And I was giving her answers to questions that I'm thinking, Lord, I'm not even sure if the body of Christ understands this. And here I am talking to a five-year-old and explaining things. And she was standing there, and she was listening very intently, and I believe it was going in. And, uh, and she said, Grandma, I love talking about Jesus. And the presence of the Lord was so strong in my house. I don't think I've ever felt it that strong before. And here me and a little five-year-old are communing together about Christ. And God says that where two or more are gathered together in your name... There I shall be in the midst of you. And we were in the midst of the Lord's presence so strong. And my son-in-law had given me these birds and placed them around my house, and they set off by motion or light. And all of a sudden, those birds started going off in my house. And I knew that the angels were so present 
in there, and as the angels walked about in my house, those birds were going off. And Michaela says, Grandma, sometimes at night when I'm in bed, I hear a voice, and it says, Michaela, Michaela. And I said, Michaela, next time you hear that voice, I want you to say, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm just telling you, we don't give the credit due to the little ones. They are so open and hungry and thirsty. And we can, there are comrades. I mean, I'm not bragging on my granddaughter, but I'm just letting you know that there was such a camaraderie in that moment between me and a five-year-old. And God was honoring us by talking about him. And they are, they, they are so able to receive and we need to be talking to our children and and planting in them things that we think they can't receive but I'm telling you they receive a lot more than what we could ever imagine they are our next generation and God says who will declare my generation but I'm here to declare it today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Awesome. Amen. This guitar is very hot. Yeah. Check, check. Check, testing. Headset mic. Headset mic. Check. No? Check, testing. No? Should I get a different mic? Praise the Lord. Are you curious to what song I'm going to sing? <laughs> Me too. No. no. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go with uh, Jennifer's mic. Is it on? You got it? Okay. Thank you, sir. How about a big hand for our sound man? That is not a... The guitar, can you pull it down a little bit there? I'm trading my sorrows I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down For the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord We say yes, 
Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Thank you, Lord. I am blessed beyond the curse, for your promise will endure. Your joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrows may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Because I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Come on, all last year's sorrows and disappointments. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes. Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. We say yes, Lord, going into this new year. We say yes to you, Lord. Amen. And like little kids now, come on, you got to do this before you go. I know it's silly, but you got to do it. Because you're getting stuffy. We got to get loose. La, 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 la. La 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 Amen. Come on, just like a little kid, you can do it. La 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 Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we just go out of this place full of your joy, full of your peace, full of the privilege of belonging to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.